your whole soul is just like lit up every time you see the person. And then how the fuck are you actually supposed to go up and have your first kiss with that person? I, I think very few people actually have their first kiss with the person who they fully are, like their soul is ignited by being around the person. I think for the most yeah, part- Yeah, totally. And it, it, it highlights this, this um, biological, neurological fact, which is that romance and sex uh, exist in two different regions of the brain. This podcast is for entertainment only and not intended for medical purposes. Enter the Freud. The start for this week appears to be hookup culture. What is it? Why is everyone so against it? And you and I have a super weird window into the, the, what I think is the actual origins of the super promiscuous, we're going to have sex and there's no way to, there's, it's implied that there's no contact after this. And strangely, this is through Harrison Voigt. Right? <laughs> oh my God, dude, you're right. Dude, wh- okay, tell me why. What am I saying about Harrison Voigt? What did he do? <laughs> First of all, okay, who, so who Harrison- is that? And what, what, is, what is going on with that guy? Yeah, let's, let's pay a little respect to Harrison Voigt. Did I hear that he died a couple of years ago? Oh my God, that's right. I told- I think he did. I- I'm not 100% sure, but I think he died a, a few years ago, so. Let's just sort of uh, make sure that we sort of respect his memory because he was he was a memorable, unique guy, and he did really good things for the uh, doctoral program that you and I were in. Oh yeah. So, so so props to Harrison Boyd and my respects to Harrison Boyd. And now that we're on this topic, dude, I had not thought of this, but he was like a you know one of those San Francisco pioneers of sexual openness in the field of psychology. Yes. And right now I run a, a, a training program for therapists, for graduate students and postgraduate students, therapists. So I, I do like, I run training for a lot of um, uh, therapists and training. And I, so I've gotten to know the whole, like how to train therapists really well. And I, when I look back at our training, actually you weren't, in the same clinic I was, but I was and David Stuckey was and Rich was that Harrison Voigt ran that clinic. Okay. And one training he did, it was so cool. He had all of these sex workers come in. Like there must have been eight. It was like a panel of sex workers and they were training all of us therapists on human sexuality. And I remember there was this guy, this LGBT guy who had, had probably lived his whole life in stigma and pain around his sexuality. And, and we went around and introduced himself and he was like, hi, my name's Bill and I'm a sex worker. And basically he was a prostitute and I think he'd been on the streets a lot. And at some point he realized he was trying to give himself a title. And he's like, and today, cause we all said we're trainees. And then it was his turn and he's like, I'm a trainer. <laughs> I'm training you. And it, you could see it felt so good to him that he was being recognized as an expert about something. Yes. And, and really, this guy had a, tum, a huge amount of experience of human sexuality. And when this panel of sex workers went around, every, they all realized and we all realized that they were doing a lot of psychotherapy 
for people's fucked up sexuality. Yep. Like all most humans have some fucked up pathological, neurotic, repressed, knotted up sexuality thing. And a lot of humans go to sex workers to work that shit out. Absolutely. And the, the whole room of us all together sort of realized, whoa, all those sex workers who are training us therapists, they have a lot of experience about healing people's sexual pain. I, that's fantastic because this kind of is where I'm headed with this idea of hookup culture may not be bad. The, as If we try to think about, yeah, I see that there could be some dilemmas. But I don't even want to talk about them at this point because I remember Harrison Voigt and I don't see because I wasn't in that in that specific training with those people that I think I must have heard this from you or someone else because it became kind of like a, a shocking detail that even though Harrison Voigt, I but first of all, the what year was this? It was like right after the Twin Towers. So yeah, probably two. Th- yeah, it was probably well. My training was probably two thousand two. But you and I had a class from Harrison Voigt. I bet you when September eleventh happened. So oh. fall of two thousand one, we were in a class with Harrison. Yeah, Voigt. that's right. That's right. So so then he reveals that as he identifies as straight, he would go to these kind of bathhouses back in the seventies and have sex with men, and. Because there clearly wasn't a hookup culture for real with women, mm-hmm. right? There is today. There was no Tinder where you can just meet up with a lady and and identify that that all right, we're we're just gonna get wasted and hook up, or we're literally just gonna have like a, a really brief encounter and then and then one of us is gonna ghost, right? Like that that wasn't a thing. So he would go into these bathhouses. Do you remember how many people he had sex with? Do you remember that? Did he say? Yes. I don't remember. Dude, thousands of men. He had sex with thousands of men. And I, that, stru- wow. that really struck me because I was like, well, that's totally gay. Like, that you are gay, but then there he was in a relationship with a woman. He is, yep. he, he is actually hetero, but for the, for the yep. pursuit of his sexual... Um, well, his sexual needs and interest, he had sex with thousands of men. And and it's like, well, that's a really strange question that maybe we should answer later, but I don't know. It's just how much do you think a man, a healthy man should have sex? How much? God, who knows? And... The fact that Harrison Voigt needed, as a straight man, needed to have sex with thousands of men just to explore his sexuality really expands the parameters of that question <laughs> to, to bounds far beyond. Because normally if you ask that, how much sex should a man have? I'd say, well, somewhere between once a month and twice a day somewhere there but i never would have thought but harrison really blew my stupid answer out of the water <laughs> yeah that was pretty much my figure also i was gonna say a healthy man probably twice a day to once a month pro- more hopefully once a week right mm-hmm. uh, once a month seems a little sparse but like and 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 twice a day seems a little unsustainable. Yeah, I, there, there's definitely periods where twice a day is super appropriate. But right. like twice a day, every day? Hmm, well, I don't know. Like 
if but if that was your thing and and that's what cool if you were doing that okay right yeah but so that that's where i i run into this this kind of uh i have two issues with um with hookup culture as a kind of a negative subject matter where okay part of my my question is for the for the very preliminary part of of your exploration with sexuality, trying to get your first kiss, right? As I was yep. as I was alluding to, being in India trying to get your first kiss is a big fucking deal, right? Yep. It's not like oh you're gonna get your first kiss, but I realize it, it it doesn't matter if you're in America, you still have to get your first kiss probably before you start feeling some boobies or like have some other kind of actual sexual contact and then eventually then you have sex it probably doesn't happen all in the first go right no so and then in that it's like in the pursuit of getting your first kiss do you kiss the person that you first have a real crush on think about that just think about this as a conundrum what well first of all when do you get your first crush like what imagine that what a what a strange thing that is yeah well uh, let me just share my personal experience i think i i've i'd say i pretty solidly had my first crush in third grade uh, oh yeah i remember her vividly um jessica holman was her name <laughs> and i was in third grade and oh i just like was kind of obsessed with her and would fantasize about her um and I definitely didn't kiss her. In third grade, I was a long way from being able to kiss her. Yeah. And then I had a and then I had a couple more crushes. And then I had my first kiss in seventh grade. Yeah. And I hate to admit this. I mean, whatever. I'm in seventh grade. But I think this woman in seventh grade was helpful. Well, this girl in seventh grade was. She was helpful because she was a little on the plays fast and loose side. Yeah. And so I, I didn't have this intense, serious crush. It was more like she was this pretty girl that was kind of a little on the loose side. So kissing her was a kind of an easy, more comfortable way into this terrifying world yes, of intimacy. Sir. Dude, that, that's exactly... I, I like set you up to say this exact thing because that, that's something that this, this kind of like hatred towards open sexual exploration in, in the form of hookups is I'm like really well then what are you supposed to do you're going to get into you're going to have your first crush uh, crush where your whole soul is just like lit up every time you see the person and then how the fuck are you actually supposed to go up and have your first kiss with that person I, I think very few people actually have their first kiss with the person who they fully are, like their soul is ignited by being around the person. I think for the most yeah, part, totally. And it 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 highlights this this um, biological neurological fact, which is that romance and sex uh, exist in two different regions of the brain, and the crush thing is the romantic center where you become obsessed with the person. In almost like a spiritual way, because yeah. they feel like they're your soulmate, um, 
And I don't want to say it's not sexual, but it doesn't start as sexual and it's a much bigger, more important, more like powerful and more elevated thing than sexual. And then the sexual region of your brain is a different thing and it's easier for people to explore this new scary territory with people they don't have such strong romantic emotional feelings for. Yeah, yeah. I, look, that that that's where we we kind of have to celebrate the fact that we're now in a place culturally, evolutionarily, to where it's not so scary. But there, that's where we've come into some weird thing where when you and I were growing up, the world was kind of, uh, it was liberated enough to where you could explore sexuality and you could, you could do, you could hit these certain benchmarks at, the, at a, almost a developmental level of your puberty that was appropriate, right? It's like as you, you get your, your real biological urges, you can kind of like start to kiss and start to fool around. And it, and it kind of matches with the, the maturity. And that's a, it's a kind of real pairing that I think is important, right? But so strangely, with, with all this confusion, there's this weird phenomenon that, that young people today are starting to kind of not hit these benchmarks. They, they'll make it to college and they never kissed anyone yet. They'll make it to college and they, they haven't had an actual sexual experience before. And so then yep. they graduate from college not having a sexual experience. So Yep. Okay, look, I got to throw another idea in here that fits with what you're saying is there's this theory out there. It's kind of a controversial theory, but it sort of fits with what you're saying is... Well, I don't know what the stats, but there's some stats out there that there's been a sudden explosion of gender identity and sexuality confusion that something like 30 plus percentage of youth are now exploring uh, LGBT sexual sexuality or gender identity. Like, I don't know if I'm a boy or a girl or non-binary or whatever. So it's like this gigantic explosion of what that. Percentage did, th what percentage did you say? Well, I'm, I'm reluctant to state the percentages because I saw some that were super high oh, yeah. and it's making me making me think I should go actually read my stats. So don't so don't take this number um, seriously. But I read that 40 percent of youth this day and age has some level of exploration of non-traditional sexuality or, or non-traditional gender even. Yeah, well, where Harrison Voigt would be proud. But. Yeah, totally. But okay, and 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 maybe it's a great thing. But the theory that's out there, which inter has a, some interesting overlap with what you were just saying, is that the reason for that um, isn't because forty percent of people are um, uh, LGBT or non-binary. It's because our culture now lacks sexual, uh, like a safe, and safe is even the wrong word, but just an arena where younger kids explore stuff, where kids are playing doctor, oh. or where where f four year old, where fourth graders are kissing each other on the playground, yep. where junior high school kids are trying to touch the boobies, that that has dramatically increased. And so that confused exploratory territory that was supposed to happen between ages like six and 16, yeah doesn't happen so much anymore. So now it just gets pushed up into the more college age and they, they're they exploring and experimenting in this really radically different way than, than humans have been for thousands of years. Oh, nice theory.
there's tons of people from Saudi Arabia and Qatar and, and other neighboring countries in, in my neighborhood. And so I would walk my dog just around my neighborhood and these, these groups of young men would actually come up to me. I, I don't know, maybe I'm, I looked approachable or they would see other people walking up to me. And so these guys would say stuff to me. That was super alarming. It would, they, they would actually come up and say like, hey buddy, how, um, how do you have sex with American women? Like the opening line. An opening line, and, and I would be like, wow, wow, it's like five, five young men, right? And, and they clearly have super hard accents, like they just got here six months ago or a year ago, right? And, and they're now asking you the most important question they've ever asked anyone in their lives. How do you have sex? <laughs> they're like, how do you do it? And they all get their notebooks out. Yeah, and, and, and they also, like this, because this happened to me like a handful of times, like literally five different occasions, where these young men would often they would see because I, I have this dog that's like unusually attractive and, and women would come up and just start petting my dog and trying to talk to me. And I think they would yep. see that and they'd be like, whoa, this guy has a secret potion. Right. Yeah, totally. So so like when they would come up, I would feel compelled to say like, wow, wow, what you know, what's going on, guys? What what's your current strategy? And so then they would just normally like point to one guy. Oh, if he tries to talk to the women, he'll fall down. Like he'll, he'll literally <laughs> like have a seizure and fall down. <laughs> so I realized like that they, that they weren't kidding. The, the guy has an actual phobia. Like he, he could yeah. not imagine ha- actually speaking to a woman. If he spoke to a woman, he yep. would become like have a panic attack. Right. Yep. And so... So I, I obviously was just trying to be very brief because I need to kind of get the fuck on with my life. But I would, I would literally talk to these guys and say like, all right, man, well, being in groups of five, smoking cigarettes, wearing a Porsche and a Ferrari hat, like is really not like the kind of thing that's going to make you approachable. I, I would just try to give them the basics of like walking around smoking cigarettes in groups of five is probably going to reduce your your success rate of like because they wanted to walk up to women and and yes. do an approach on the street, which <laughs> all all five of them want to find a solitary woman and approach her, <laughs> and then she's going to sprint away in terror, <laughs> or in their imagination <laughs> perhaps that she would then be like, oh look at you sexy boys, and then have sex with all of them. Yeah. Right. Like it, it becomes a real dilemma of if you don't have any facilitation, you don't have like I remember back when I was really young and I was in L.A. and uh, Madonna just came out with this book that was like this is another page in American sexuality is Madonna wrote this coffee table book about her sexual exploration. And this is. Yes, I remember. I was that. like, I, we were, we were younger than 18 when this happened because I, that, I know that same year I, I met a girl at a club who looked like Madonna. She had fashioned herself the same hair and very petite like Madonna. And she like invited me to her house. And I was like, oh man, I'm going to touch the boobies. Oh, like this is in my, in my mind. I was like, I was like, yes. And maybe we're even going to have sex. Like that seems fucking awesome. And I get there. And because clearly this was a trend that like how to be an expressive female 
in the search of sexuality. She was young, just like me. Uh, and she wanted to like pour hot wax on me. Oh. Yeah. And, and I'm like, dude, I'm so not mature enough for this fucking thing. Right? Yes. Like, she, she literally is like trying to do some weird, you know, uh, pain pleasure game. And I, and I yep. thought to myself, like, why would you want to do this? What is her deal? Yep. You know, I, it was pretty clear to me that what she wanted to do was just some, like, very junior level, we'll figure out how to have sex thing. But yep. for yep. her, the window through what would give her permission to have sex in this situation was to, we're going to do this this candle wax routine. Yes, totally. What, and how old were you at this time? I was younger than 18. What, what the story you're telling me is, and kind of everything we've been saying so far, makes me realize this fact that I don't think most people know, probably almost no women realize this, and even most men don't realize this, despite the fact they should, because they live through it. it. And this is probably true of females as well, so I don't want to say it's not true of females, but it is true of males, and people don't realize that, is that young men are like profoundly lost, confused, vulnerable, desperate, and disoriented in the realm of sexuality as they go through adolescence. And um, kind of what we're maybe sort of implying is that, and it takes them a while to like calm down and get comfortable and feel oriented and feel confident. Um, and then kind of what we're implying is that and an ex a safe exploratory playground for their sexuality is, is can be a really healthy and even necessary um, uh, venue for them to develop this maturity within. Yeah, well, so, ha like, imagine that, let's go back to this kind of developmental piece, right? Where, because it, it, it's like we're kind of switching between cultural phenomenon and biological needs versus development and that that's where there, there's almost like skills and experience of sex and the exchange of appropriate sexual behavior which is like how do you kiss in a way that then like how do you even know how to kiss in fact at first you don't no. nobody knows how to kiss and you have to learn from the people you kiss which is why in the very beginning there's all of this really hilarious talk about really fucked up kissing styles, right? Totally. The blender mouth, the dart tongue, <laughs> right? Like, do you remember this shit? <laughs> like, yes, dude. I, and I remember being like in junior high and <laughs> listening with like rapt attention as anyone would describe how to properly kiss. And it just seemed like this endlessly mysterious and super high stakes world that I needed to figure out. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. <clears throat> so I met this girl, um, when I, when I was at Delphi, the Scientology school and she, she now like, I, I think she's, she's dating some dude in a band. Um, but like when I, when I met her, she just had this like bizarre, comfortable nature about, sexuality it was like so weird and so she would she liked me as soon as we met it was one of those weird things i didn't really like her for some reason until way later but like at first i was mm -hmm. like oh i don't know about you and 
She she mm-hmm. always wanted to just like kiss and like she would just like grab me away from the the people on like a field trip and just in like a parking lot just like time would just stop like time like yes. like everything would just stop and she would just like yes. put her her like nice big lips up to me and just be and then but she would instruct me as we were as going through the experience she'd be like okay just go like this and then like that and like this and i was just like holy shit like what a fucking gift what an unbelievable gift that was because it's such a bizarre thing. And so then later when I would hear all these people talk about, oh, I ran into this person and then I would kiss these other girls and they were just, yep. they, they were crazy. I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, didn't you take the class from Sarah? Sarah is an unbelievable kisser. <laughs> <laughs> and God, Sarah, we need like, uh, we need a class of Sarah's for all people like going through development and sort of it sort of brings up this idea that again we've been hinting at is like maybe the best thing would be just to like have a field trip for all like 15 year old boys to the nearest brothel and like have them have a little like crash course 101 and like how to kiss and how to have sex and how to go down on a woman and etc etc yeah but see that's where shit gets weird right because as as uh I probably told you, but my boy Frank, who grew up in Hungary, that is actually a normal thing for young boys to go, or their dads will take them to the brothel. And and as much as that does give you kind of a crash course, it also kind of promotes a different, more hardcore Mm -hmm. sexuality. Yeah, right. It, yeah, I can see how I can see how there could be negative sides to that as well. Yeah, it it kind of misses the there's this subtlety of the is isn't this crazy how much nuance there is? There isn't just kind of like a quick and fast way to get everyone no. to to a healthy place, right? Like the yep. the the we're on such an amazing journey of figuring out what would be healthy in the pursuit of sex and love and happiness, man. It is really fascinating, and when you said the the uh, the Hungary thing, and then how it produces kind of like a hard or like a hard edged thing, I could see that. And then my mind just randomly went to maybe the the best thing is what happens these days in ideal circum, which and maybe it doesn't happen that much, but in ideal circumstances, is when there's like a fourteen year old boy and a fourteen year old girl who have a crush on each other and they're in love. And they very slowly and in a scared, shy way, very slowly but surely just kind of explore and figure it out. And they're all like awkward and but whatever. And, and they're together for a few years and slowly but surely they figure it out together. It just I just had this kind of like it sort of warmed my heart yeah, to yeah. think of that model. Okay, okay. See, that's the ideal situation, but it's that it's so challenging across cultures. And and America is this crazy melting pot where you do have influences from around the world. And and if you travel outside of America, you will run into totally different cultures. Like having Frank as a friend in college was such a fucking gift also because the fact that he had been around real prostitutes and, and not only been around them, but like had sex with them. And like in that... And I was in this place of just trying to figure out, like, how do I go to a club and just, like, go and kiss multiple women in that same scenario? And then maybe in the end of the night, bring one of them home, right? 
Like yep. that was kind of, I was trying to figure that out. It seemed like, oh my God, if I figure this out, I'll be free of all the bondage of, of like the dark shadow of, of insecure, unfulfilled sexuality. I thought if I could do yep. that, right. And yep. having him as a buddy, it was like, you know, totally, he, he totally like had my back and was supportive of all the absurd stuff that you do, including yep. one time <laughs> I remember being at, there was a bar at this school. And this, this girl named Zoe, like I was standing at the bar with like seven of my guy friends and there's just like this silly scenario. And Zoe walks to the door to leave and she, she yells out to me, clearly getting the whole bar's attention. And she goes, Porin, if you don't come home with me right now, you're not getting any of this. And she pulls her skirt up. (laughs) <laughs> and, and like, but like she turns around, bends over, pulls her skirt up and shows her butt and G string. Right. And, yeah. and then walks out the door and all the guys just look at me like, what the fuck are you going to do? <laughs> <laughs> and so obviously I walked out of the bar after her and it's just one of those, those situations where you think, oh, well. Like, I have to learn how to hook up now, right? I'm being called out. I was called out in front of everyone to, like, do you go hook up with her. And I was inside, I was just like, I don't fucking want to hook up with her, right? Right. Like, she. Because it's overwhelming and it's scary. It's this, like, scary, huge mountain to climb. And you're like, I don't know how to do that. Yeah, because we had clearly had zero contact prior to this, right? Zero. We hadn't kissed yep. before. It wasn't like we didn't have yep. a thing. She just straight up yep. calls me out. And it, and it was something I then learned quite a bit about while in Australia is just like what it's like to have women call you out. Totally. Um, yeah, I remember I in when I was in eighth grade, I had this girlfriend who was kind of on the fast and loose side. And she was pretty, she was quite pretty. She was pretty attractive. And my other friends were a little envious that like she was my girlfriend but they could see that I was shy and I was scared to go beyond just kissing. And they started kind of putting pressure and kind of shaming me for being shy. And so there was this pressure to like move to the next level. And I remember there was one night and the parents were gone and a bunch of us were eighth graders were hanging out in her house and they kind of were like, Dave, if you don't like make a move and do something more than kiss, like you're a, you're a wimp and, then if you don't do it, I'm going to do it, you know, <laughs> stuff like that. So I was like, oh, no, I have to do it. And now looking back, I'm in eighth grade. I'm like 13 years old. I'm like a little kid. But at the time, it was like, I got to do this to be a man. And so I remember I like I got my opportunity. And we start making out and I'm like, I, I got to do this. And it's like <laughs> I have to do this like to prove to my friends that I'm not a pussy, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> and I remember just like it, it just was like the worst, most... <laughs> forced poor grace thing i just like quickly started making out with her and then quickly like shoved my hand down her pants and i'm, I'm trying to like figure out what is her like i don't know what to do down there and so my fingers are like fumbling around you know and i'm sure she's she's probably just like sort of feels traumatized and <laughs> injured by the whole thing but but when and then like someone walked in and the lights turned on and we had to like 
you know, quickly get up. And I was relieved that someone had interrupted me because I didn't know what the hell I was doing, you yeah. know? Uh, but then I, it was also like, thank God that I've like done that because now I can tell my friends. And then like, what? <laughs> and I'm just like so confused and almost like traumatized by the whole thing. That is, some, that is an amazing story, right? <laughs> because it's like, th- that points out just like what it's like to be a, a really little dude with the with the strange pressure of and I, I I know that this conversation is unique because we're both dudes right because as as you clearly hear from women it's different but like that really preliminary going from from not kissing to kissing and then from kissing to somehow fondling heavy petting whatever the fuck people call it right um, and then to oral sex and whatever comes next right but so what's really fascinating about that that re- the junior level increments and it's almost like I, I feel that it's almost impossible to go from the I have never kissed anyone to immediately I'm going to have sex like that is just such a profound leap that you would have to you'd have to do that with Sarah right like that yep. if, unless you were with Sarah it's just going to be so overwhelming that you will end up shocked in fact the first girl I had sex with was Sarah and I was traumatized right I wasn't actually as as awesome as she was. I still wasn't even developmentally ready, right? Totally. And so then, late like, it took a it it took several incidents and and trying to figure out like who's gonna be the therapist to this little self. Totally. Like who's gonna be? Because you you I'm not gonna wait till I'm old and then get a sex worker. Like so, it's so yep. strange that I was aware as a really little dude that this was going to be a process. Okay, so then when you get mature, as we are now, like what are you supposed to do with that part of yourself that that continues to desire and require exploration? Like, yep. why why do some people just quit and give up? We're so freaked out about the college kids who seem to have given up before it even started. But then what, what's the deal with everyone who turns 30 and they just give up on sexuality? What? Well, I, I, I love that question. I think part of it is the vulnerability of meeting new people and approaching sex with them. It's super vulnerable and scary. And I think most people remain, their whole lives remain terrified of it. And they just want to find one partner and lock that shit in and and shut down the whole vulnerable, scary thing of meeting new people. And so it's, it's just like a shut down, let's get into a nice, safe little place where I don't need to like go into that vulnerable, anxious, insecure space. Yeah, well, so we can't just have hookup culture for college kids and then everything shuts down until you get to the old age home where apparently there's this new hookup culture. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it, it, it begs this question, and um, I, I have no, I, I'm, I got no ideas about the answer to this question. It begs the question of, do humans need to be exploring this? Like, uh, like a person like Harrison Voigt, I think, and, and the sort of San Francisco sexual liberation movement, I think they all believe, yes, humans need to explore um, uh, their sexuality through exploratory new experiences and and like 
ultimately liberate yourself and all this kind of thing. It's like this, this conversation has such a cool trend, right? It starts with like the beginning of, of the, the beginning of I'm going to start to explore sexuality to, Hey, wait, now that we're grown up, what do we do about this? How do we do mature sexual exploration with the same kind of class and finesse that clearly isn't there but now we now yes. as we are successful in careers and families and stuff like there's this implied thing that oh you should you should be that way with sexuality the same way that I thought I should I should be with women the way I am with waves uh-huh like but the the thing with waves is like I had an unusual exposure like Frank did to prostitutes right I was around these these like the most famous surf spots at the time. And there I was surfing with these really good old, old like professional surfers. And so then that's why I was great at surfing. And so then to, to say like, well then now do that with ladies. And I'm like, well, I had Sarah help me. And then the crazy candle wax lady. And then, and on and like, how how many of those did I need before I was going to be at, competent with the ladies and then like now what are we supposed to do with this mature self and how are we supposed to do that well probably the same with surfing or anything once you become sort of competent or or, uh, uh, reach a level of mastery it's not the end it's the end of that chapter but then another new chapter opens up um and I think that that's probably true with sexuality. I, I mean, I have no idea how many more chapters or what the future chapters for my own sexual exploration or growth entails. I have no idea. It's it's like it's uncharted territory. I but I'm clo- I'm 46 and a half, and I can look back and see all of the developmental chapters and all the progress I've made. And now here I am, but I don't think the story ends here. I think it's like, okay, what's going to be down the road? I Fuck if I know. That's the, that's the part that I find so fascinating. Because I'm tired of everyone just thinking like, oh, the problem of this sexual exploration is for those college kids. Because you and yeah. I know, because we talk to patients all day long about their, their attempts to succeed further than... Because some of the people I talk to are very sexually accomplished. And yep. they... You know, and, and then they, they're they romantically accomplished as well, just to be clear, right? And so they have they romance, sex, and families. They're very accomplished. and then But I'm talking to them about their sexuality still, right? Yep. And they're 50 to 60 years old. And I'm like, what yep. are we talking about? And oftentimes it's about yep. their it's about their attempts to be in relationship to to girlfriends while they're married or to they're they're no longer married and they're still trying to figure out should they date women their age or younger or whatever or women who are trying to figure out who what is their how are they going to have a relationship that actually goes towards things that they want to have happen like i'm in those conversations all the time and so it it just seems like that's kind of the future of of interest other than trying to coach our sons how to go through that because no, obviously no one told us how to do it. Thus, you're, you're awesome in the dark trying to grope experience. <laughs> but like, 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 
I, I have more trying to grope experiences. <laughs> that, we, we, we should share more of those. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll save the next uh, uh, funny, vulnerable experience for next week or something. But I think, the, I think part of the reason that we want to talk about only about adolescent sexual development and then it stops is because that story is convenient. It's like you become 25, you meet your husband or wife, and you you're happily ever after and you have sex and it's all good and like that works nicely for that story of like you live happily ever after and now you can just focus on a career and raising kids and it sort of works good for the fabric of american capitalism or something the reality of Ooh, nice that 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 sexuality is an ever-changing constant adventure and exploration that is going to keep changing throughout your life. Like that's like, I don't think people want to like have that be the reality because that's disruptive to the marriage narrative. It's disruptive to the um, nuclear family narrative. And, and, and I think the reality is, and it has disrupted those institutions pretty profoundly and is going to continue to. Yeah, man, that's it. That's our segue. Awesome. All right, man. Until the, until next week. We can't just have hookup culture for college kids and then everything shuts down until you get to the old age home where apparently there's this new hookup culture. <laughs> <laughs>